Welcome everybody to Hollywood Godfather. Tonight's guest is a very special friend of mine for 50 years. Now, how many people can say you have a friend for 50 years? I am blessed because I can say it. You know him. We've gone through so many things in our lives, friendships, even roommates, meeting celebrities like Sinatra and becoming friends with them. You're going to hear more stories about Elvis and all the accolades of stars that are still on television. And uh, I can't wait for you to meet him. We're going to go to a commercial break. I'll be right back. Welcome, everybody. And I'm so happy to be able to tell you tonight that we are expanding not only the show, not only how you can participate and share into so many different facets of my life and the life of this podcast and the world we created, we are going to expand our family. You're going to have an opportunity to actually join our family. And it'll be up to you how far you go in our family by the purchases of things we're putting out to you, um, the opportunities that you can take advantage of, like having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me, having me visit your home while you have 10 people for dinner. There's so many things that you're going to be so excited. Just go to HollywoodGodfatherFamily.com and we'll have all the information you want. And believe me, I want you in my family. Don't let me come looking for you. Okay, we just came out of a commercial break, and I have now my one of my closest friends for so many, many years, and uh, this show is going to be so exciting for all of you because the legendary Larry Manetti is joining us from his home in California. Larry, my man, how are you? Hi, Gianni. How are you? My God, it's good <laughs> to see you. Wow. It's been crazy, hasn't it, man? I love yeah, it. Yeah, wow. It's a friendship for 50 years. What a marvelous thing. And you know, you know, I, I find so interesting that we met in Chicago, and um, I mean, just with your background and all the people that they all know you now, but then you were operating a restaurant. Right, exactly. Uh, I opened the Cockney Pride in Chicago on Wabash Avenue. And uh, I think we we're having our grand opening. And Godfather was like everywhere. Thank and God. her face was everywhere. Everybody knew Gianni Russo. And uh, next thing I know that Gene Cimarelli and Nick Nitty uh, came down the stairs. I looked up, I said, holy mackerel, that's Gianni Russo. And you walked in, shook my hand, and I remember I was in heaven and we were in the downstairs of the restaurant. There was a great big bar with a piano. And you looked and you said, oh, marvelous. I love the piano. At that time, I didn't know you were a singer. <laughs> and uh, we just got along grandly. I mean, it was a terrific friendship from the start. No, you know, and you saying that, it was like when I met you, I felt I knew you already, you know, and that and that's your kind of personality and that's who you are. And later on, as we move on into this conversation, and we could talk as long as we want because that's how important you are in my life. And the thing is that you started from a restaurant, you knew every entertainer in the world and everybody else that uh, powers that be, and they all supported you and they all loved you. And the next thing I know, you and I are moving into an apartment in L.A. together. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I had ambitions to be an actor. I was acting in Chicago, and I had done a United Airlines commercial and a movie with Marcello Mastriani. And I just said, hey, stupid, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to be a bum. So I got in my car, which was a 1972 
12 cylinder Jaguar. I remember it well in the driveway. <laughs> yeah, that was a, yeah, yeah, we had a lot of cars, didn't we? I'm telling you. And I drove to LA and uh, we were in an apartment. It was a two bedroom apartment on Gorham Avenue. Right. In West LA and Brentwood. Which was a and, great, great neighborhood even then. It still yeah, is. It's still actually. great, great area. Yeah. But, um, you know, like you pointed out, our driveway was very impressive. We had Jaguars and Ferraris. <laughs> we, had, we had the greatest cars. And, and then, Bentley. We had the Bentley, too, then. And you had the brown, beautiful Bentley. Then I got a white Cadillac convertible. Right. And uh, I bought a 47 Cadillac convertible. And then I bust, went busted. I ran out of money, but you helped me. <laughs> but the interesting thing, how soon, but I mean, the good news about you, and we both had a mutual friend that I met in Chicago, and they, you mentioned Nick Nitty and Gene Cimarelli, who basically were the nemesis getting us together, and then we just hit it off. But uh, they introduced, I think, both of us to a guy called Jack Gelardi. Yeah, Jack Gelardi from ICM right. Agency. And you were with uh, Gelardi. Well, they, they told me to go with them, and they said, they're nice to thank you from Chicago. I said, Nick. And most people didn't realize how thick Nick and I were already because we kept that under the, under the wraps with the guidance of Tony Accardo. But we were doing a lot of business, Nick and I, already. Me being around Costello and Nick obviously being around Accardo until he died, fortunately. Talk about a gentleman. But um, we had so much at our fingertips and people supporting us of that magnitude, there was no way we could not make it really. We could be the only ones that screw it up. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, That's a fact. And <laughs> those guys, who's going to say no? I know. Hello. And the funniest thing, we, and we did everything in our power, almost screw it up, too. I can remember going to the candy store almost every night in Beverly oh, Hills. God, we were like the two James boys. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I've, you know, you were so good looking. I'm, well, we still are. I got to say that, though. We aged well. You know, so it's yeah. You listen. You were a handsome man. Now uh, we had the world by ask me no questions. You know, I'll tell you no lies. And I remember once that uh, there was a girl on the roof of our apartment building, and the landlady came up and banged on our apartment door. I said, "What is it?" I figured, "Oh my God, we're behind in the rent." And she said. There's a girl on the roof that said she's going to jump unless Johnny Russo comes to her. And I said, Russo, Mary Lou is on the roof. You said, <laughs> let her jump. <laughs> that sounds like right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we should have put a turnstile on that apartment. That front door was so active. It's crazy. That's true. We had a lot of fun. Oh, but, you know, but we were... But innocent fun, yeah. We, we innocent fun. We weren't, you know, doing anything crazy. Just having what we did, you know. You remember Alan Smiley? Oh my God, do I ever? Yeah. Well, so the people out there know, Alan Smiley was partners with Ben Siegel, Bugsy Siegel, right? And we became friends with him, and he just was enamored with the two of us. And would come over all the time. And we would visit yeah. him on his apartment on Doheny Drive. I remember it well. Yeah, we had a good time. And yeah. I, we we really didn't know how powerful a guy he was. Oh my, just to let our audience know, Alan Smiley, they said, we weren't there, was on the couch at Virginia Hill's house when Bugsy Siegel got shot. <laughs> yeah, they shot him in the arm. I know, but yeah. it was crazy. They shot over him through the window, and they killed Bugsy. I mean, I mean, we, we, you and I could probably just do a series on our friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll be on. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. All entertainers meet all kinds of people in life, and we met a lot of different people and gangsters, politicians. 
Well, I, I remember when I went for my first gaming license in, in Nevada, and uh, I knew the investigation where they were going. So I was basically groomed by a guy called Jeffrey Silver, who was the head of the gaming commission, and some of our friends said, hire him as a lawyer now. And I did, and before the gaming board came together, I said, I'd like to address the board before we go on record. And they're looking at this pompous, in my 20s or 30s at the time, and I said, you know, I want to know is this. I know every mobster in the country, like every other entertainer knows every mobster in the country. You will never work if you don't know them. They own all the nightclubs. And I went through a whole list of the Savellas in Kansas City. So I took the wind out of their balloon. And I said, I'm willing right now, because I know this is a, 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 a big decision for you to make. You can give me a temporary license for a year. I'll put up a million dollar bond. And if I blow it, it's on me. And they all looked at each other. Because people were actually taking bet I wouldn't get a license, and I got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's great. But yeah. you had a great relationship, as I remember, who I, I think directly and indirectly helped you along, was Robbie Conrad. Yeah, Robbie Conrad. Well, Robert Conrad. Well, you know Robert Conrad. Yeah, but not he as well as you. Say, Gianni Giovanni Russo. Oh, I know. He was a character. And he well, was a big help to me in my career. But refresh you know, our audience, because a lot of people don't know about Wild Wild West. Some of these people, you know, they, they're, they're antiquated. And fortunately, I, I, I touch four different generations of the world. I can't believe I got millennials. I don't even know who they are. But they're, they're, yeah. I got a big following, Larry. You won't believe it. But let them know. You, about your friend Bob Conrad, it's it's a funny story. Bobby Conrad is a throwback to Errol Flynn. He feared nobody. He was a professional fighter. And Gianni, if you remember, one of the best-looking guys on TV. Oh my God, yeah. And yeah. dressed dressed well. He had it. Yeah, all. I mean, he was a real class act. I mean, if if he were taller. He was five foot eight, five foot seven and a half. But if he were taller, he would have been a major star. But I, you know, I but look at the major stars today. I mean, most people don't realize they're all that height. I mean, Pacino's shorter than that, and definitely, you know, uh, Stallone. Well, it, it, they they really don't want big guys because the women then they can't pair them right. So, but well, he, he had a career on television. How long was Wild Wild West on? That was on, I think, uh, five years. And uh, after Wild West, he wound up getting uh, Baba Black Sheep. Right. And I was still, uh, you know, scrounging around, hoping for a, a shot. And uh, he said, Minetti, don't drink, don't play, go to bed early because tomorrow you got an interview at Universal Studios. And I went into Universal in front of Steve Cannell, had an audition for Bob uh, Bob Black Sheep, and it was all his doing. Oh, yeah, I know. And, and I got it, and the next thing I know, I was, the next morning I was on the set, I had to pinch myself, but that's a real guy. Oh, and, no, man, that's why I wanted to bring it up, because we, we, we always hear the horror stories of how these people don't help. We had a lot of help from good friends that were gentlemen and in the business. And, yeah, and, yeah. and I think the audience are going to hear a lot more stories about that because I remember when you got Bob Bob Black Sheep that was I mean a huge break and you mentioned a guy who we all became friends with later on Stephen Cannell I mean I did yeah. like six shows for him myself I couldn't believe it yeah Stephen Cannell was right. you know as they say these guys were menches and they don't they're just not around anymore no. I miss him very, very badly. Uh, these were real men. And uh, if you had the guts, if you had the talent, and you walked through the door, they would say, you walked through the door, you earned it. Like you did, Johnny. I remember walking in Beverly Hills with you, and you would sing in the doorways of office buildings <laughs> where the glass was. <laughs> yeah, to hear myself to rebound it, you know. 
Hey, yeah, yeah, I know. It was, it was crazy. Crazy time. What do they call Renaissance or yeah. no Renaissance or whatever yeah, the hell? Yeah, reverb from the windows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember all that. Oh no, but Alan Smiley to get back to it. There's a, I mean, just that guy alone. When you do the history, I mean, he. Him and Mickey Cohen and a couple other people out there, they actually created a lot of the unions and controlled them. And uh, for very close friends of ours, especially in, in uh, Chicago, and they still they still run those unions. That's why you never see strikes out there. They, yeah. they know how to organize labor. And well, you know, think about it. Most people don't realize that your hotels and casinos today were built by mob money. Oh my God! Yeah, all of it by the unions and teams. Yeah, and they infiltrated Vegas and Jack Dragna. Oh my God! Originally had it, then Sam Gincana took it over, and then the Chicago mob. Well, the rest is history. Right. And well, I remember the are, wars early on because see, a lot of people don't realize. You know, I actually went to L.A. in in Vegas in 1957 and 58, long before I got involved in the film business. I was just a messenger for Costello, and it only came out in my book two years ago about what I was doing because I was, you know, I was making good money, and but yet I couldn't tell anybody. But when you see what they've done and organized it so well, I mean, I even borrowed $73 million from the Teamsters. Thank God I never drew it down because I would have been in jail. But... You can get it if they like you to give it. To, I went to see Corky Savella at a club called uh, what was oh, in, Mamas in Kansas City, and he told me, "What do you want?" I wrote it on a napkin, and next thing you know, I had somebody calling me from the Teamsters and got my lawyers, and they they gave me a loan, a construction loan. <laughs> I couldn't believe. Yeah, it. well, the, the Savella, I remember him. Oh yeah. Yeah, the, the, you know those days are gone now. Oh my God, yeah. And it's and believe it or not, I think this country is suffering badly. You know, people will frown when I say this, but when the mob was around, there was a lot of problems that were solved. There was hardly rapes. There was, they curtailed a lot of stuff, a lot of crime. No, but I, I you know, and I, I, I beg to differ with you. I think a lot of people realize that now when you're old enough to analyze it and say, wait a minute. Too, I hear it all the time about Vegas. I like Vegas when the mob ran it better. Everybody says that. Now it's oh, yeah, they wore suits and how oh, was your room? Hello. How was your dinner? Everybody was polite. Oh, now man. everybody in Vegas... Wears little sandals, shorts. Oh, no. and they poor, don't shave. Oh, it's no. disgusting. No, that the class is gone. The service is gone, and that was another whole awakening for you and I when we got to the Stardust Hotel. We were treated like kings, royalty. I mean, and and I talked to Gil Cohen yet. Yeah, I know you do too. I think, and these yeah. people like Yale Cohen. Yale Cohen was like, uh, I used to go, go in late at night to the Aladdin to play Pharaoh Bank. I didn't even know yeah. what that game was. <laughs> and this guy was, a, when you find out about his history, now that he's passed, we could talk about it. He was a bodyguard for Capone. I mean, Yale Cohen. Yeah. Yale oh Cohen. My, well, he was one tough guy. Oh, my God. You see his hands? Not un, forget about yeah, it. Yeah, he was a tough guy. And a guy. big guy. And one time I was there, I think you were with me because you went, Manetti, I'm going to strangle you. I started playing craps, didn't know how. Oh, my God. And started getting stuck. And Yale was off work. Well, if yeah, there was, was such a yeah. thing. And he came over, grabbed the dice. He was a wonder. And he got my money back. And then he picked me up at a seat of the pants. And he says, take a walk. <laughs> well, we we all had one demon around us when it came to gambling. It was Gene Cimarelli. I never saw a worse gambler in the world. Oh, and he never won. I know, and he was always borrowing money from me. He'd and say, he sign, would, sign this marker for me. Benny, remember, he would get drunker. 
oh and drunker <laughs> and drunker until he literally fell off the blackjack table. Oh, I know. And then he would call his brother and say, "Hey, I need forty thousand. I know. And, it's craziness. Yeah, those. I mean, those were the. And then Benny the Bum. Oh my God. They had all these characters. Toothpick Willie. I mean, remember Al Sachs? Oh, I what love a, what a gentleman. What a gentleman he was. Well, he, you and he got really close. Because, I mean, I remember that uh, a few times you actually came down on his plane and you went to have dinner at Piero's and come to see me late at night at State Street. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, you know, Al Sachs' father was Mike Sachs, who was with Capone. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, he was with Capone. The first person I met in Chicago, I'll, I'm, I, it's in my book and I'll never forget it. Costello says to me, go to Chicago tomorrow and when you, somebody will meet you at the airport, you're going to go to the Palmer House and meet this guy and give him this envelope. It's okay. And I've been doing this already two or three years with this guy because I started running you know, errands for him when I was 13 after I got out of the polio ward. And so I go there, and they bring me over to this guy, Sidney Korshak. Oh, my God, the lawyer. <laughs> so he says to me, you the kid? I said, yeah. He says, give me that envelope. I, said, I gave him the envelope. He read it, and he takes out a page, and he says, sign here, and I signed it. And there was like 10000 or 15000 in there that Costello sent to him. He says, now I can talk to you. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you just retained me as your legal counsel. That's how smart these guys were. Wow, I never figured that. That's pretty cool. That Because that's when they were starting for me to run around to get JFK, the senator, nominated for the Democrats for the presidency. And those yeah. two, two or three years. You know, that's a big thing with me, Gianni. I tried to get a movie off the ground called Double Cross that was written by Sam Gene Cannon Jr., you might have some insight in this because I believe that the mob, as heartless as it is, killed Kennedy. Well, they had. I don't. There were. There was. They had three shooters on site. I know that. So did Linda Main Johnson. Yeah, but if you if you do your homework, you know that um, what was uh, I blanked on his name? The Oswald. Right. Leon Oswald Leon. was friends with Jack Ruby. And the Dallas mob. Well, Jack so Ruby actually paid. worked for Costello and Ocardo because he ran all their gaming out there. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, no. That's why the, the research we did on my book, and that's why even the publishers were saying, oh, we're going to get sued. I said, I'll indemnify you right now. And then Macmillan, who owns St. Martin Press in the United States, they... They did their research and they said the guy's right, and I was I was up at Cal Neva because Frank Costello wouldn't go anywhere anymore after that fiasco at the um, up in up in the Catskills, so I was just eyes and ears. And Sam Giancana was there with Sinatra, and yeah, Marilyn Monroe, and Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, I, I know that whole story. I because, got all the pictures. Yeah, the the. Man, you do? I have everyone. Oh, you should. Wow. You should. I got to somebody... send you my book. There's pictures of me there. I read your book. But it then there's, there's pictures in there of me. No, it's oh, crazy. I got it. I got it here. I'll, I'll dig it up. Somebody punched Sam Gene Canna there in the face. I think it was Ron Monroe's manager. And uh, Frank, you know, I he. On that so weekend? Not, not that weekend, I don't think, no. No, no, not that weekend. It could have happened, but it didn't. That weekend was so tense because they set up Marilyn's room. Sam did it because they were going to blackmail the Bobby Kennedy. Because now Bobby was related to her after he beat John became president. And he took her away from John because you know she was you know he, John promised her once he became president he'd marry her. That's how naive she was. And John pulled her and everybody else away from JFK, even Sinatra, which he got pissed over that, which I know you know about that, I think. 
That came out later because, I mean, he remodeled his whole house for Secret Service, helipads and everything, and they wouldn't go. But, uh, no, I was there for those three days. And then on August 4th, they killed her. The weekend, four days after she left there. Because she's, I'm going to the press. Because nobody realized that John promised he'd marry her, which is ridiculous. And that Bobby made her abort a child that she always wanted. But you already had five kids with Ethel. And oh, my God. Nobody knew this. And Sinatra's trying to convince her, just go to your room. We're going to send John in. We're going to set him up. Your room was already set up with cameras. And Sam did it all. Sam wanted this. Because, they, you know, they did that in Chicago because J. Edgar Hoover was a cross-dresser. And they had all the pictures of him in that. And that's why he always denounced <laughs> Yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy stuff. You can't make well, it Well, wasn't up. that kind of in The Godfather? Didn't they have a guy that was a cross-dresser? Oh, they did in Godfather 2 or 3. They yeah. made the senator up there when he didn't get... Yeah, I mean, one thing about Mario Puzo, he, he did a great book and, and pieced it from real people. Like the olive oil guy was a very close friend of mine. I, I'm still friends with his son, John Papacci. Joe Papacci had all the olive oil. And, right. the, and Costello... <clears throat> had all the, you know, the politicians and, and the police department. And the old man that he groomed him to look like was Carlo Gambino. So he put three godfathers together to create Don Corleone. But yeah. all of that was part of American history that was stolen from pure facts. Yeah, wonderful. Crazy. Mario Puzo was neat. I went to his home in Malibu with Diana Belmonte who was his secretary, and he said, sit down, kid, and he made me spaghetti, and he was not a guy of many words. He was a like a little husky guy, and I said, you know, I'm an actor. He says, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like him. <laughs> that, that was the end of my hope. <laughs> no, I mean, he... he uh... I had him as a house guest out the, at the Cannes Film Festival because when they when they premiered Superman between Godfather one and two and three, nobody realized he wrote Superman, and that's when Marlon Brando played the father to Superman. Oh yeah, that's right. And I they remember. were they were my house guests because Johnny Agnelli, who I got friends with through the years through the Vatican and all that. He used to give me his house. Everybody thought I had a house. I had nothing. I had nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I remember. Well, I don't know if I should mention this. You had your Rolls Royce. You were dating Liza. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she'd sit on the hood. And then one, one day about 5 o'clock at night, you had a few martinis. She was sitting on the hood. And you started the car and drove away. <laughs> that was that was a great sight. No, Liza, as you know, we had a, a great friendship and through the years. Well, I remember the night I ha I was I was talking about Yale's wife Toby, and I had somebody oh, and his daughter Debbie, and they were late for the show, and I picked them up at Caesars. I came down, and only you and I re re remember this. The starters had those wind doors. There was no doors. It was wind that kept the hot air out. Yeah, it used to blow. Right. So I was late. So I drove in and drove them, as you know, the doorway to the... Oh, that's right. You drove inside the building. I drove inside. Yeah, you were nuts. You, they were, you did that before Evil Knievel. Oh, I know. Almost <laughs> drove their car into the big pond. Yeah, that you was Evil, Evil Knievel. No, Shecky did too. Shecky yeah, flipped his man. car in the fountain at Caesars. Yeah, and he said no wax. Yeah, whole spray <laughs> wax. There's a guy who used to get drunk. But I mean... He's a, he's still around, you know. Why now? Shecky's in his 90s. They have breakfast with, a, with my business partner, believe it or not, in Chicago, Greco and Son. And Greco and Son distributes all of my products to Cordelion Family Food line. And... Um, these people are amazing. But why I bring it up, the father retired there, 
and he loves all these guys. So he has brunch. You won't believe this at, at the Green Valley. Shecky, Pat Cooper, all these. Uh, what's in the, uh, the the other guy with the wild hair? Oh, Marty. Marty. He has Steve breakfast Austin, with him. Yeah. Marty Allen. And and he, he and his son, who I'm very close to, Eddie Greco Jr. He said, Dad, I don't understand you have markers in that hotel. You don't gamble. He said, ah, I buy keynote tickets for these guys. He don't realize these guys are major stars, but they're all feeding off of him. You know, they buy him a free lunch. They're there every day. So he holds yeah. court there every day with these guys. I love it. So oh, I, I know. Uh, there was weird things going on there. I mean, uh, oh, my God. I, I remember some guy picking up a slot machine and throwing it on the floor. Oh. And out of, out of nowhere, somebody came and grabbed him around the neck and started whacking him. Oh, I mean, that's one thing about Vegas. You know, again, to bring up what you pointed out, that to when the mob ran it, there was no problems. No. They would finish it then and there. And you and I, I mean, we spent so much time in Vegas, as we did in Beverly Hills, I mean, but uh, the stories yeah, got no, on. That, I, re I remember, Johnny, that some woman complained to security that some guy groped her, and the security didn't even make it to the guy. A couple of guys grabbed him, pulled him in the stairway, oh, yeah, and yeah. just gave him a shellacking, and everybody knew, you don't cheat in cards, dice, anything in any of the mob joints, or you'll get your kneecaps taken off. But you know, there's a lot to be said about that. First of all, you're the one who's cheating. And you know, that, I, don't, I can't remember. I was like 17 when I went to the Sands Hotel. I thought I died and went to heaven, because before that, I was in New York, I went nowhere. And to see who you got very close to, the first time I saw the Rat Pack, I saw them on stage and I met Sinatra at the Copa when I was 13 or 14 years of age because yeah. Costello owned it. And yeah. these, and as you know, as, as they did even with you. They all, once they know who you're around, and you're, you're part of the group, man, that's it. Oh yeah, once, you're right, because once they see you with one or two of those guys and then they see you again, you're part of the family, that's it. The oh, arm is around you. No, I love it. Yeah, and, when we were young, before I met you, when I'd go into the um, nightclubs there in Chicago, the major D's used to walk up to me. I wasn't even old to drink. Right. And he had these cheap, crummy suits. And the guy would grab me and say, Mr. Matthew, come with me. And everybody was giving the guy 20 bucks. And in those days, that was big dough. Oh, yeah. And I'd look at him and say, I don't have any money. I don't worry about it. Oh, oh yeah. my God. You were around everybody, like me. I mean, you know, it's so nice that to have you reflecting on what I wrote about, because there's no one else in, in my life that knows me the way you did and the experiences yeah. we've had. And it's just, we just took it for granted. <laughs> yeah. You know what people don't know about you? And I do. You did Merv Griffin, and Jaja Gabor was there. She couldn't take her eyes off of you. Oh, it was and, crazy. Oh, my God. And <clears throat> you took her out a few times. Well, Merv, and Merv Griffin had you back on the show wanted to know, well, Johnny, what happened with the date with Jaja Gabor? You remember what you said? Oh, my God. It was, it was insane. I still don't know who that girl was. This you one. Won? This you talk about when he asked me to take her to the premiere? No, when he asked you about Jaja Gabor. That's what I'm talking about, Jaja Gabor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that was no, I mean, forget about it. No, I mean I talked the truth. That's why I did twenty three shows. Yeah. You, you know, it's so funny talking about a show we did with Bob Conrad on. And the only time I was on a talk show with Jimmy Kahn, it just came to mind you saying that. They did a show with Hollywood tough guys. Obviously, Bob Conrad was first on, then James Caan. There was somebody else, and then me, because I was like the new guy on the block with the Godfather. 
And that's when that guy, Vincent Teresa, just ratted out on everybody. And they were filming on Hollywood Boulevard. That's when it was delayed filming. And the FBI had Vincent Teresa guarded on the stage and they were shooting him through a silhouette screen. So I come out and Bob Connor, everybody sitting as we always did and they moved down for me to sit next to Merv. And he's saying, what are you laughing about? I said, well, I'm the highest paid guy ever on television. He said, what are you talking about? I said, that's Vincent Teresa. He said, we know that. I said, well, the mob is looking for him. They're offering $500,000. <laughs> I, I just called and told him where he is. The FBI, they, they all jumped on They thought it was going straight out. It wasn't going out. I played a it's joke. It's funny. It was funny. Bob Conrad was rolling on the floor. He's just so nuts. <laughs> yeah, Bob, Bobby Conrad loved, he loved gangsters. Oh, my God, yeah. did he ever. Almost, and he almost got him in a, trouble without I mentioning mean, any names. He would make a puddle in the street, the Atlantic Ocean. Oh. And, I mean, he would say to me, I want you to meet a pal of mine. And I'd look at the guy and I'd say, well, I know this guy since I'm 10. And it would be Jake Cerrone. Oh, my or, God. You know, but, yeah, but Conrad was a funny guy. He really was a real match guy. Oh, my God. Well, Jackie's a, a legitimate guy. I mean, the father or senior. You were talking yeah. about senior or oh, the son. I yeah. see the son oh, yet. The junior. Yeah. Junior's a nice kid. Oh, yeah, a lawyer, a legitimate guy. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I mean, that's why I knew we need to do two episodes. And we're going to keep talking if you're up to it. Because we didn't even touch on anything yet. I mean, the stuff that we... I would like to talk about and anything you want to talk about um, we can do in the, in the next well let's keep going here for 10-15 more minutes then we'll take a break and start another show but you and I mean talking about power of the pen I don't think all we did was ever give tip money they wouldn't even take our money in Vegas <laughs> yeah that's right everything was RFB yeah. Room, food, and beverage. And nobody, I, I, learned that, I learned that. I almost had to put on my shirts, RFB. I like that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I go to Vegas, even today, I'm still uh, RFB at different hotels. Oh, yeah. But that's because of the Certain television people. and movies. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's the only thing that's the same in Las Vegas. Everything else has changed. Oh, my God, yeah. Now, they asked me to go a couple of times. I... You know, I've been blessed. I, I turned my book into a musical. I got nine casinos that I'm doing it in at the Mohegan Sun, who still run a very good tight ship. And Tom Cantone, God bless him. I mean, this guy has never stopped giving me work. And uh, But like you said, to go to Vegas now, and they made a big mistake coming back after this pandemic. I don't know if you heard about it, Larry. They offered all the rooms at such minimal cost. Yeah, that people were coming, three or four people staying in a room. I know. None of the people they want there. And yeah. they were abusing high rollers. And well, they, it's, uh, it, it, it's just hard to explain. As I said, suit and ties, Rolls right. Royces. There was no rhinestones on anybody. It was Hello. no baby cribs. I mean... And today, I don't know if you've gone to the shows. I went to a show, oh, maybe 10 years ago, and it was just changing over, you know, from suit and ties to sneakers. Oh, I know. And the show, we were put into a seat. The seat was crummy. I mean, you didn't have a choice or anybody to go to to say, Oh, no, I it's like the third row. Yeah. No, when we used to go, we sit King's Row. We knew every maitre d' there was. And, and I remember when you used to sing in the lounge at the Stardust. Oh yeah, all the when time. When you were starting out, oh yeah. And the there were great people singing there. Oh yeah. Well, Freddie Bell always helped me, you know. Yeah. And uh, there was uh, that. I mean, that's what we're talking about, you know. You and I could go into the Sands Hotel every night and see Louis Prima and Sam Butera and every place was a place to be. And that's why we never went home. <laughs> well, that's right. We couldn't get home at five. I think we'd roll in around six or seven 
And I, I remember I, Gene Cimarelli oh took God. me home one, one that night. It was seven in the morning, and his wife was standing Rosemary, by I the door her. tapping her foot. Oh, yeah. And Gene was still half in the bag. He looked up and he said, I hope you didn't pay the ransom. <laughs> now, he is, I tell you, what a class act. And yeah. Rosemary is still, I mean, Rosemary is still going. God bless her. Thank God. Wow. Well, he well he died the way he wanted to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's like crazy. It's when every man dreams of dying. But... Yeah, I mean, you know what? And it's like you say, we know so many people and their children that you don't know what you can say about them because the kids are around now. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You know, you don't want to bring up old laundry. I'm still friends with John Nitty. He's like, I, I was. I went through the older brother Nick and the daughters, and Nick Nitty and I till the day he died. I mean, I, I met him soon after as I met Sidney Korshak, and we started going places and picking up money and delivering money. But we were legitimate guys doing it. But uh, we made so many trips to the Vatican; they thought I was going to become Pope. But well, tell everybody who Nick Nitty was. If I'm not mistaken, he was the cousin of the original Nitty who was Hello, with Frank Nitty. Yeah. Frank Nitty. Well, yeah. That's his whole family. But now yeah. Nitty became very powerful with Nitty Travel. Right. Because he helped every Italian American. I mean, he had deals with uh, Italo American. I mean, all uh, uh, Italian, nobody had. But then they started junkets. Right. And he was bringing 10, 15,000 people a month to yeah. Vegas. Well, tell him who his partner was. Hello. <laughs> Tony Ocarter. <laughs> yeah, well, go figure. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's so. And great. you know, I remember once that my daddy owed money to Nitty Travel. And, you, you know, as, as all Italians in that era, you know, they go, yeah, forget about it. Anyway, Nick Nitty was with a couple of guys, and this guy grabs me and looks at Nick. He says, didn't this kid's old man all this money? And Nick said, yeah, tell your old man I'm going to kick you in the ass if you don't pay up the money. I well, Your you father owe. never owed anybody. He just was playing a game. I know your dad. Yeah, God. No, he's... That was in the old Italian neighborhood. Oh, I'm on, right on North yeah. Avenue. Hello, right down there. Grand Avenue. Yeah, yeah. They were still down yeah. there. No, but I, I, and, and it's funny because John Nitty, as I said, he was the youngest of them all. And I traveled with him and his little sister. They were in eight and nine years old. And now, you know, we, we have a business together, him and I, in Chicago. But yeah. it's, it's so funny going back into time and, and, and guys... Because you know, fortunately, you and I aged well, and we started so early. People say, "Well, how the hell old are you?" Because to say, you know, I was at the Democratic Convention, I was just turning eighteen. But Costello wasn't going to go; he gave me the tickets, and Sinatra produced that night. So <laughs> again, you know, people are talking to me like, "Who's this guy?" They thought I was some, you know, diplomat son or something. I was a bum. Forget about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, my mother and father had a fruit and vegetable stand on Grand Avenue, and that's that's where where all the oh, mob yeah. guys were. That's oh, well, where tell me about neighborhood. it. Yeah. yeah, and they used to sell watermelons, and I have to go there and work, and I'll never forget it because some guy walked us my old man, and he said, "Hey, Mario, come on with me. I want you to come in the office and get something for me." And my father says, hey, Lorenzo, you handle the front. He went in the office and he got a machine gun out of the safe. I'm out of the ground. I know, it's crazy times. I tell you though, I, I, I probably, what I'm about to say, all my friends up here in New York are gonna be, the one thing I love about Chicago, I think it was better run than the five families in New York. They were more oh. organized. Yeah. Over here, I think the ego's gotten away, and I think as life went on, it proved New to York, be the demise uh, of it. John Gotti destroyed New York. 
Yeah, they used to fight amongst themselves. Amongst themselves. Yeah. Where the outfit yeah. was so run like a business, and it was, you know, they ran it like a, an organization. And, uh, yeah. and I spent so much time there for, as you know, I've spent a lot of time in Chicago. Yeah. I remember I was at the Blue Max room. Nick Nitty booked me there. And I was there from a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I called Mario downstairs, the maitre d', and I said, how are we doing for reservations? He said, oh, you're sold out tonight. I said, Sunday? They said, yeah. Tony Ocado took the whole room. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was crazy. And had Liza come on stage. That's why I was doing such business, because she was- What working. about the Ambassador East Oh my hotel. God. Sinatra used oh, to hello. take the whole 12th floor, yeah. and all those guys, they destroyed the 12th floor. Oh, yeah. And I remember Tony Curtis was walking around in the lobby, and they said, what are you, what are you looking for? And I found out later, he lost his toupee. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when you worked for... With Tony Curtis, you did Lepke. Oh, I love that movie. No, I, I, I mean Tony Curtis and I, we hit it off well for years. The funniest thing with with Tony Curtis, with, um, well, Korshak, as you know, owned privately owned Le Bistro, right? And yeah, so, the Bistro Gardens. Yeah. So when I was I was going out there a lot, he called Jimmy and the, the other guy, Casper. How do I remember these names? And he said, when this kid is in there, he don't pay. I said, what's his name? He said, the kid. You just know him by the kid. But nobody knew my name actually until I became an actor. Everybody knew me as the kid because nobody was supposed to know me. So this is the funniest story. About a month goes by. So Sidney Korshak calls me and he says, how much do you weigh now, Gianni? I said, what? He says, how much do you weigh? I said, that's a strange question. He said, why do you find it a strange question? I said, I just want to know how much you weigh. I said, why? He said, the, the amount of checks you're signing in my restaurant, you got to be 500 pounds by now. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Which yeah. I think that was the funniest thing in the world, man. But Yeah. Well, when, didn't they, they used to call from the pit and call other hotels and book us everywhere in shows and i guess they had a reciprocatory oh, deal okay. there to, to, oh, yeah. which show up and walk in no they don't do that anymore. no everything is strict each corporation runs it as a private enterprise you can't comp anybody unless they got a credit line in your hotel i mean i to me it's like what you and i experienced it's our children will never see it most people will never see it again because that's what Vegas was about. That was the magic of it. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, fortunately for, for me and you, we could sit and reflect on it. It's, you know, such great memories. Yeah. I remember when they had horses around here. Uh-huh. They used to ride horseback around oh the Strip. Oh, yeah. Ralph Lamb ran that like a tough... I mean, he... Him and Darwin Lamb, they were really cowboys. It was crazy. Yeah. No? And tied him up outside the hotel. <laughs> and there was that Benny Binion. Oh, my God. Well, they were cowboys downtown, yeah. And oh, the, yeah. Benny and the Boyd, Binion. The Boyd family. The glorious. Oh. If you didn't pay your debts at Benny Binion. Oh, my God. Forget about it. You were under a cactus. Yeah. I'm gonna, can I imply on our friendship and, and end this show and... Have you back on? Yeah, sure. Please. All right. We're gonna yeah, we sure. have a commercial break and I'm gonna say goodbye to my friend, but he's coming back for next week's show. Thank you, Gianni. Love you. Love you, Larry. And now the end is near. It's time to face the final curtain My friends, I'll say it clear I'll state my case On which I am certain 
Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Email Gianni Russo with your questions, comments, and for information regarding his motivational speaking appearances to Gianni at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. Email Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments to Patrick at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and visit Amazon.com for a listing of books he has written. I'm Megan Horan. I can be emailed at Megan at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and would enjoy hearing from you. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. But most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails. Good night. Along the byway, but more, much more than this, I did it my way. Oh, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I can chew. But through it all, when there were doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. And I stood tall and through it all, I did it my way. I've loved, I've laughed and cried, I've had my share, my fill of losing. And now, as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that. And may I say, not in a shy way, oh no, oh no, not me, I did it my For what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he is not To say the things you truly feel And not the words of one who kneels The record shows I took the blows And